millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome everyone to another episode of WA Exposé, a podcast about local arts by local artists. I'm your host, Aria Scarlett, with the privilege of recording on Wajak Noongar Budja. Playing on, with, and against a masculinity is an art form to a euphoric experience for my guests today. With performances that reach across a variety of genres from punk rock to moving ballads, Blake is the first drag king to win the pop royalty crown. I'm excited to have Perth's dad in the chair across from me today. Blake Cassette, how are you doing? Oh, good. That was so cute. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I've been taking, like, I get really scared when I write these intros. I'm like, I just want glowing, lovely, nice things to say about people. <laughs> and then when I read them to the person across from me, I'm like, oh, no, what if they hate everything I've ever said about them? <laughs> no, so thank that was you. sweet. I love that. Um, so as you know, there's only one question. Well, I keep saying there's only one question, then I ask a whole bunch of other stupid <laughs> questions. But there's supposed to be only one question, which of course for you is, why drag? I can remember my earliest memory of drag mm. uh, is literally seeing it on TV. I, my mum came out of the closet when I was still a toddler, so she was an out and proud lesbian in the 90s. Wow. So that led to some fun schooling experiences. <laughs> but like, I was always aware that there was this colourful, gorgeous art that you didn't see. Like you saw the pop singers and that on doing their aria shows and that mm. but there was nowhere near as much color or glitz or emotion yeah and there was just something about watching these gorgeous people just go out there and like do something that's just so eye-catching and moving it was something that always stuck with me and like I always wanted to like be in musicals and that. I always wanted to be able to dance and sing. Yeah. And I can't do either. <laughs> <laughs> but anyone who's watched me over the years, my dancing has improved. Yeah. Just like just has. Just <laughs> <laughs> Something that we're working on every day. Yeah. yeah. For me, it was like this was the best way for me to be able to express the things that I wanted to that I couldn't necessarily have created in myself in a bit of an original thing in a way. Yeah, like, there's no way I could have written an original song. Oh well, I've, I'm I'm good at doing a parody every now and again. <laughs> um, so does that mean like so? I wasn't exposed to drag at, at a young age. Was it just because you had queer people in your family that drag just became part of the picture at an earlier age, or did you seek out these incredible, colourful drag performers? I ended up seeking it out because, like, my first initial experience would have been Priscilla Queen of the Desert. Yeah, and so, and that was also the first time I'd ever seen a trans person as well. Ah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I kind of, like, when you first see the film, you're like, oh, yeah, men dress up as women and be colourful. That's fun. Yeah. And then when I got a bit earlier, it's like, no, this person's living their life as a woman. Is is that allowed? You can actually do that. Yeah. And that's what kind of settled in me as well. And it was 
drag was a way for me to actually come out to my family with me being drag. Ah, okay. So from the get go, it was a way to do was a way to do both. It was like an artistic expression and a and a way of like expressing your gender at the same time. Very much so. Yeah. So Blake is technically about ten years old now. No way. <laughs> oh, you started as a baby. I am quite old though. No, that's but no. Um, when I first started doing drag was probably like nine, ten years ago now, and it was very, very basic. Like I had like eyeshadow smeared across my face, going, "This is a theatre," and like uh, you know, like shoving the socks down the pants, wearing a binder, just wearing clothes that you found at the op shop, and be like, "I'm a drag king." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you have a lot of uh, drag king like role models in the beginning or was it just sort of like, I think I can pull off masculinity. I'm going to just uh, give a go at like, you know, hyperextending all of these different things that I think is mask and give it a go. It was definitely a little bit of like just trying to find it for myself. Yeah. Because on the scene we had like Jason Green has always been mm. around. Jason Green yes. is like the OG king of her. <laughs> definitely. But there was also like, drag kings that I were friendly with on the scene that unfortunately had left the scene. But there was like Hunter Down, Charlie Davison, um, Kevin Razorline, Jimmy Hart Drag Prince. I love these names. Like, <laughs> yeah. Hunter Down is my favourite drag king. It's name. so fun. So I ended up performing with him a couple of times. We formed like a little troupe. And, but there wasn't a lot of space in those early days, I think, for kings. Like people didn't quite understand it because it wasn't, as eye-catching as as drag was because drag queens are glitter and rhinestones and fringe and mm. kings didn't quite have that or at least the kings at the time didn't quite have that artistic expression it's like how do I have all that glitter and rhinestones and fringe and color but still present masks does that mean that in the scene at the time there was like it was a bit disheartening because we were like, I want to do all this stuff, but I don't know if I'm allowed to. For me, it was um like just feeling a little lost. It's like, I want to do this really bright stuff, but like I don't know how to do it as mm. a kid. And then eventually when I came out to my family that I was going to be trans, my sister made a comment. She's like, oh, so I can have your high heel collection now. <laughs> and I was like, no, because I've still got all my heels. Mm. I very rarely wear them out, but I'm talking like six-inch rainbow glow-in-the-dark platforms. Wow, okay. Some really impressive shoes. Yeah. And she was like, well, no, you're a man. Men can't wear shoes. So I'm like, well, I'll be a drag queen so I can wear my shoes. And like, after I did that, I formed as Cherry Poppins for probably about six or so years, six, seven years, a long time. Yeah, who is a femme drag character. Yeah. Yeah. And she still pops out every now and again these days. <laughs> she now just has a beard. Yeah, I love that. And it was actually during the big lockdown we had about two years ago where I started not having to shave my face all the time for drag and started growing out my facial hair. Mm. And I was like, well, let's experiment and just play around with some king kind of faces because it's been many years since I've done this. Yeah. And so, yeah, I was just playing around with that. And back in those days, me and Trinket were... It was like me, Trinket, and Libby had like a little three group called TLC. Like <laughs> Trinket, Lib, and Cherry. I love it. Yeah. And so they made a comment. It's like, you do really good king makeup. Why don't you do this a bit more? Mm. And so I saved up some money. I bought a chest plate. I put it on. I cried because for the first time I could see myself oh. as how I've always wanted to present. Yeah. That and would have been a really beautiful moment. Yeah. That's really lovely. 
And so the very first night back, the drag factory, it was also Denise's Snake's very first night performing. Wow. So we were performing upstairs in the verdict area and everyone was sitting down and it was Blake's very first performance ever. And I was literally sitting there shaking. And I was like, what if people actually don't like this character? What mm. if they just prefer me to be being cherry? Yeah. And yeah, everyone was like, we've never seen you more comfortable. We've never seen you more happy. Yeah. So then Blake came to stay. And then slowly Blake and Cherry have almost intermingled. It it's it's very curious how it first kind of came about because like Blake had always been quite I I, I used the term sexually aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep, yes. So Blake is 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 very much a top, which is hilarious because I'm anything but <laughs> and so he always had like this aggressive kind of feel towards him, mm. but I always felt like it wasn't quite the character. And it was actually during Fringe where I actually had a run-in with another trans man during a show, and we got into a little bit of an argument. And they were sitting there, and then they were like, well, "Why did you even start doing this?" And I was like, "Well, actually, I used it to come out to my mm. family when I came out being trans, and then I also performed as a drag queen." And they got really aggressive. They're like. No, if you're a trans man, you're meant to be masculine all the time. You can't be doing feminine things. I was like, well, why oh. the hell not? I know feminine men all the time. I like masculine women. It doesn't change their gender. Mm. And I got so angry. I literally went out and got my nails done. <laughs> the first time I had had my nails done in probably about 12, 15 years. Like full acrylics. and Yeah. Uh, they were done by um extra extra nails and she actually made like little bondage harnesses oh, to go over these nails that's so good it sounds like this person you had a run-in with wanted you to conform to a binary which seems like exactly what you were fighting against to begin with exactly like it's it was it was just something really shocking to see that especially in the trans community yeah it's like when you're fighting so much for your own identity that you are lashing out at others mm. it, it made me feel really sad at the time yeah but at the same time, it opened up a bit more for Blake because with that, like, I started adding my heels back into the performances. I started wearing underbus and corsets in the performances. And I tell you what, I have never confused more straight men in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're here for. We're here for confusion. I, perform I performed a, a Loki number Yeah. the other week at Drive Factory and my friend was filming. And right next to them, the guy was talking, he's like, it's a guy with girl legs. I don't know what's happening anymore. Oh, no. Gosh. And honestly, it made, it made me laugh so hard. It's, it's literally just, even now, just thinking back at it, I live to live to confuse the straighties. <laughs> to confuse the straighties. I love that. Do you want to be that person of like, I feel like I have to educate people? Or is it more like, I'm going to do my thing. If you get educated along the way, good for you. But I'm not out here trying to educate you because it's not my job. I think it all depends on the day because there are days where I'm like, yeah, let's have a sit, let's have a chat, and let's yeah. talk this all out. And there's other days where I'm just like, y'all need to back off and leave me alone right now. I can't deal with this. Yeah, and you shouldn't be made to. I had um, a person message me once and they went to high school with me and I was like, well, I don't remember your dad name. So cool, awesome, thanks. Yeah. And they were like, Straight out, they're like, oh, can I ask you some questions about being trans? I'm like, whoa. You can go on Google, have a bit of a look. And then it's literally like a few minutes after they wrote, I wrote that to them. I'm like, just jump on Google if you have some questions. I'm not comfortable. Mm. A few minutes later, they messaged me back. I'm like, so have you had surgery? 
wait, so they ignored your entire your point of setting boundaries, which you've which you've done, and then there's people crossing them anyway, which must be your entire experience online, just in general, uh, especially during the pandemic and all the lockdowns that we had, is that you're online because you have to be online to stay relevant as an artist, mm-hmm. but um, you're suddenly exposing your work to all these people who've got nothing better to do than to sit up in your comment section <laughs> or to write you messages that you don't need. Very much so. I've, I've actually been quite fortunate though because the kind of people that send messages like that are like one in a million compared to the other people that I've managed to reach. Yeah. I have what I call my Canadian boyfriend <laughs> who's a drag king over in, in Toronto and like we've just randomly just found each other mm. via Instagram and just hey, I like your drag, hey, I like your drag. And we've spoken every week since then. I made a friend over in America, in New York, so we're exactly like 12 hours between us. So we always make jokes about doing like an earth sandwich. She actually sent me uh, a slice of bread costume, so we are going to make a little (laughs) earth sandwich photo shoot. That's so fun. And I speak to them almost every single day. Wow. So you really found like a positive little section of the internet that you get to occupy and play around in. I love that. I think it also comes from being dad. It's like, I'm just very open with like, hey, you got something you want to talk about? Let's just have a talk. What's up? You want to try something? Let's try it. Suddenly being labeled as dad is like, well, there's a lot of a lot of kids here who, who haven't gotten their father figure somewhere else. And I don't know if I can be that man for all of you at all times. How do you do it? I mean, I've got the responsibility of a small sausage dog and I'm like, that's enough for me. I honestly, I honestly just feel happy that people feel like I'm a safe space to be able to come and talk to. Like the amount of people who have spoken to me, and I've been the first person they've come out to. Wow! The first person that they've spoken to, being like, "Hey, I want to try and do drag, or I want to try and do this in my life." I take it as a badge of honor that people feel safe that they can do that with me. You must be really overwhelming in the sense that you're providing so much emotional labor for people. That's really lovely that you let you do that extra work to sit here and clap for you. (laughs) (laughs) There have been like moments where I've felt like I've like there's been moments where I felt like I feel like people would just kind of use me as an emotional dump and I just Mm. feel and I, I think everyone has those moments where they just feel unwanted or in the way. Yeah. I um Half the reason, like, I never ended up doing a a fundraiser or a GoFundMe thing for chest surgery was because I honestly thought that people weren't going to donate, that they're like, oh, there's other people who are more deserving of wealth, the people who are trying to go through this and, you know, like, you've been going on about this for so long. And then within, like, the first couple of days, we hit over $3,000. Wow. That's... Wow. Oh, the and community like, came out for you. I literally spent those two days just like curled up in bed sobbing so hard. And like the amount of people that were sitting there and sharing it. Mm. Like even Hannah Conda shared it. And I was like, ah, because I'm such a Hannah Conda fan. Girl. <laughs> That's so good. It's really rough to hear that you didn't think you could reach back out into a community that you'd given, that you'd given so much to. I think like, I think that's also like what one of my friends were trying to tell me like when I like I literally look at myself as dad so much that like I look at myself to have to be the strong one and not have any problems. Yeah yeah for sure. What's the goal for it? 
just so everyone knows. Okay, we'll tell them all to go put money in there right so now. So the final goal to cover the surgery and hospital stay is about a thousand dollars. Yeah, it is ridiculous amount of money. I it's, totally understand. It but, is insane. <laughs> wow. But like, like I, I don't know why I kind of have like a weird relationship with money. It's like I don't like having like accepting it for myself. Mm. But for everyone else's like GoFundMe, I've sat there and I've been like, yeah, fifty bucks for you, yeah, fifty bucks for you. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, let's get you where you need to be. Accepting it for yourself, you're finding quite difficult. Yeah. That sounds like dad mode again. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're like a hundred or so dollars off from four grand. Wow. Okay. All right. So tell on, tell everybody what it's called. <laughs> Tell everyone what the things are you can call you for. So if you actually go onto my Instagram, there is a link to it inside my my little link tree. Mm. There's also a link to um, two other GoFundMes that are in there. Like one is for my Connie sister, who is so close. She's, I think, $1,000 off from her final goal. Wow. And another one, just another sweetheart of the scene, Kale, for their top surgery. I think they're, they're about $4,000 off. Wow. So if you're feeling extra generous, please donate to them as well. (laughs) (laughs) That's incredible. Um, We're going to take a super quick break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back. Um, I'm still here talking with the amazing Blake Cassette. Um, I had the pleasure of working with you over the past fringe system, system season at a show called Double Entendre. Um, how do you find balancing all of these, not just these different types of shows, but as I mentioned in my intro, you go across a whole bunch of genres when you perform too, and Blake no longer exists as just like intense top energy and very, very scary. There's none of that left. <laughs> have to like paint differently for every single one of these characters, or do you just have like, no, nah, I'm Blake, but Blake can do a lot of stuff. It's all very subtle changes yeah. with the makeup. Like when I am doing more softer, sweeter numbers, my makeup is a little bit more rounded. Yeah. Like I'll do just a slight more curve in the cheek and I'll just like my little, like it's now become a bit of an icon, my little eye spikes, they're a yeah. little bit more rounded off and my forehead contour is softer. Meanwhile, when I am doing the darker numbers or the rougher numbers it is it is a it's a cut cheek yes it's spikes and it's like the forehead contour will come down into a literal point my makeup will come down to a point my nose becomes an arrow so everything is drawn down I love the way you're describing it because I I, as I ask the question I'm like I'm asking a question about makeup on an audio platform go (laughs) go me um but yeah I can definitely tell them tell the difference that makes a lot of sense the show in double entendre I forgot his name. Le Fou. Le Fou. Uh, with, a, with Gaston, who uh, was played by Whiskey Amour, um in this Beauty and the Beast mode. Did you 
uh, obviously there were slight the subtle changes in the makeup. And then did you just go really camp when you were like creating this routine? Uh, it was it was more just being in the camp camp essentially. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it was like yeah, he's a, just a he's just a soft boy who's just in love with with the big dumb job. Yeah, like, so you deserve better. Yeah, every teenager has a story. <laughs> every high schooler has a story. <laughs> being in love with the big dumb idiot. <laughs> She's done the yes the number before, but obviously just as a solo. Mm. I will say that like we did have a couple of little like makeup. Like, just little pop-up tips and that while we were backstage. Yeah, great. Just like, hey, try doing this and try doing that. That's awesome. And I would take, like, a photo of each night to see the evolution of their makeup. It was really cool. Yes, I love that because it's, like, it, it meant that it was a whole collaborative project from before it got on stage right up until closing night. That's really cool. Because I, um, I hadn't had much experience performing in a cabaret kind of setting or a burlesque performance. Oh, hadn't you? How'd you find it? It was, like, it was the Yes, ever like everyone was so sweet backstage and like we've all like kind of followed each other on instagram yeah. and we've all just become big fans of each other mm. it was just just a sweet fun energy backstage we we're just everyone was having such a great time and had you not had that energy in other stages or are they not all the same in drag circles backstage uh, it, it, it depends but i think it was just like because a lot of times people are very centered on we are going to be doing this number we're going to be doing this we're going to do it right mm. and all the shows that I've been a part of have usually only been one-off nights everyone's so work orientated mm. this is the first time I had really done like an extended run show so everyone knew like oh yeah I'm just going to be doing the same number each night I know what I'm doing because I'm professional I can actually relax a little bit and just just kick it back yeah, right. Do you think that that might be not a downside because I love the high turnover that is a new drag number every single week, but that must be it's really hard because you've only got one opportunity to do it and do it right. And then with everyone who's got their phones out, especially at drag factories and that sort of thing, you've not really got any opportunity to make a mistake. Very much so. <laughs> <laughs> like there's like drag artists that put so much time and energy into making a costume. Like I'm totally also in that camp. <laughs> And then it tends to just go in the cupboard. It's like, no, I spent time on this. I'm going to do this number to death. Everyone is sick and tired of seeing me as a tree or something. <laughs> Which number was that? I haven't seen this one. Um, it's the bruises number that oh. I did that for the finale of Pop Royalty. Okay, yes, I have seen that number. Yeah. Why was I thinking that there must be like a wind in the willows <laughs> vibe happening somewhere? <laughs> no, <laughs> I have seen this one. Um, yeah, so do you think that that's something that needs to change in the Perth art scene? Hmm, good question. I, I like to see, like, people have, like, having more venues open up mm. so people have more opportunities to be able to put their art out onto the stage rather than, like, about three or four venues that are, like, actively having their art there now. So would that be new clubs opening doors or would that just be kind of like what happens with, as we, we mentioned off air really quickly, Lucy's, which turns into Cherry Bomb, I definitely think, like, existing spaces yeah. should be open to have, like, different forms of mm. art in. Because there's, like, I remember the first time I actually, like, saw a show that was on at Planet Royale, and I was like, this stage mm. is everything. It's stunning. It's so good. It's very high up. <laughs> Every time I'm on that stage, I'm like, I'm in the sky. <laughs> it's so high. I remember I'm um, trying to jump up on the stage, and I even, I couldn't. Okay. No, you're so short. I am such a small boy. You're a small boy. I don't know why. I'm a small pea. 
It's okay, I've got track phones. Yeah, there we go. And this is why your sister could not take your shoes. Exactly. This is why we needed them. We uh, need a dinner theater. Ooh. That's what we need in Perth. Yes. Dinner theater would be amazing. Dinner theater is a great idea. Like, there's like, oh, my brain has totally just flimped out and I can't remember the name of the venue. But it was um where we did Stargaze for friend, for two fringes ago. Oh, Jesus. And it was a beautiful venue. It was just in the Maylands kind of area. Mm. And they actually had like all these tables downstairs with the stage. It was... It didn't really have a backstage area. Like, the backstage area was just kind of, like, just before the freezer. <laughs> we love it. Yes, yeah. But having, like, they actually served, like, proper dinners and everything. So you could literally do a dinner theater in this venue. It was so wonderful. And I'm like, we need this. Yeah. I want a dinner theater. Yeah. <laughs> so the whole <laughs> kitchen. Yeah. Like, literally, like, people, like, go out and they'll, like, what? They'll spend, like, sometimes $100 out eating with their friends. Yeah, true. For that, you can get a ticket. Go, have your dinner, and be entertained at the same time with all these little cabaret acts. Yeah. and it's gorgeous. It, definitely. So there's also this thing that I always say whenever I'm going to put on a show, which is like I need a reason to get people off their couches because if I'm putting on something that they can stream online or like download for $1.50, then why should they come out to my show? Because they've got to get an Uber, get public transport, or pay for parking. They've also got to buy dinner, buy three drinks, or get a babysitter, or like whatever else they have to do to make a night out. You're only like a small percentage of that night. You're probably the reason they bought the ticket, hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully they're coming out to see you, but that's only a small portion of all the stuff they have to do just to go outside and see your show. And if you're still in the world of COVID, then you've only been to one venue, (laughs) one venue that night. So you can probably, is that safer? I don't know. I, don't know. I, I, I would I'll put down being safer. <laughs> yes, it is definitely safer. Guaranteed yes. 150% safer than visiting to... No, I, I don't know. I've got no statistics on my side. The statistics of the show are totally fake. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Everything I say is absolute garbage and made up. Yeah, yeah. At least 78% of it is made up. Yeah. Including this one. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. But not what hasn't been made up. Oh, here we go. Let me see if I can put us back into what I was supposed to be talking about. What hasn't been made up is my admiration for your acts. Oh, <laughs> Segway. Shoehorned right in there. <laughs> um, so um, I, something that you said a little while ago that really, like, piqued my interest, and if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to ask you a little bit more about this, um, was that you talked about how you used your lovely drag character as a way to, to come out to your family, which is great. Uh, but then once you'd done that, you put your drag king back in the closet almost, put him aside and pursued a drag queen, which is completely fine. But did you do that because you thought that you had to do a gender swap drag? Yeah, like literally like how my brain equipped it is I now live my life as a gay man. Mm. Men who do drag, they perform as drag queens. That was how Ah. my brain equated it. I was unaware that like it, it wasn't very common to have like female drag queens or male drag kings. There were a couple on the scene. Yeah. But for some reason, my brain just didn't click it for myself. Yeah. And I think that also comes down to just like how society norms and gender roles just really get cemented in your mind. Yeah. It was in, an internalized thing for you. Yeah. yeah. Not even a conscious choice. But it's very much a life of unlearning. Yes. Oh, 100%. <laughs> You get to a certain point and then you go, all right, thank you for all the stuff you taught me. I'm now going to unbox that for the next 20 years. 
I was also like using the time to play around with like making budget special effects at home. Explain what that means. I have no idea what you mean by that. Tell me. So like, just trying to figure out like what was the best way to make like gory sex effects on the face, like a split eye or like a like a Joker grin stuff like that. Yeah, using stuff that you just have at the home or stuff that was really cheap to get, like some latex or some shoe and whatnot. Oh, really budget special effects. That's yeah. awesome. So I had like a tiny little mini series of doing that. And I was like, well, I don't want to spend all this time doing this and doing like a really feminine face on the other side. So I'll just just do like use as a practice for doing some masculine makeup. Mm. And slowly I just started to bring bigger and bigger like king faces. And then like I started playing around and making facial hair. The ve- I still have the first kind of beard facial hairs that I made. What was it made out of? It was made out of wig cut off and liquid latex. Ooh. And I can still use them, but they're nowhere near the quality of the <laughs> facial hair that I make these days. And what's the difference between like your starting facial hair and the stuff you put on now? Um, honestly, I very rarely wear my facial hair anymore. But the stuff that I make now is I actually like get like wig cut offs and that and I get like the lace from wig cut offs as well. And oh. I literally will thread it through there and knot it and then shave and curl it it's a full sewing project yeah so basically like a lace front wig but for your face that's so cool i love that um and then yeah so it would have just made like a lot of logical sense especially like you've got such a logical mind we would have been like well tissue scars plus uh non-lace front (laughs) beards equals i need to go back out on stage (laughs) thank you (laughs) that's so fun um and then choosing uh the name blake cassette is that the name that it's always been or is that so that's always he's, he's always been blank cassette. wow that's so, so cool so it's always been like a little bit of a play of the word blank cassette mm. like once again showing my age like always like my favorite thing was literally getting the blank cassette and filling it up with your own lipsticks from the yeah. radio i would sit there for hours on end and i even had like a little microphone that i could pop into the aux cord and i can make my own little mini radio show that's so good <laughs> so i'd make all these mixtapes and just literally, like, have them for a week and then re-record over them. Just for a week. You're like, ah, oh, it's old news now. Very much so. <laughs> You've been, like, a social media mind before the platforms <laughs> even existed. <laughs> That's really cool. I think, I think we did everything. <laughs> I think you told us everything. Um, do you have anything that you would like to plug, your socials and all that good stuff so people can find them? Absolutely. If people want to follow me on Instagram, please. <laughs> um, so my handle on Instagram is kingblakecassette. If you want to follow my feminine drag, then it's Lil, L-I-L, Cherry Poppins. Uh, and do you think that, I'm just adding another question in, as the two blend more and more together, is Lil Poppins going to fade into Blake or is Blake going to fade into Ms. Poppins? I think there's going to be a nice little, there's a little character that everyone has been calling like Berry, which is like Blake Cherry, which is like oh. a nice little mix of the two. Yeah. And so... I think that they're, they're always still going to be separate characters. Yeah. Because Blake is very much like power and Cherry is brainless little dips. He's just there for a good time. <laughs> yeah. So make sure you follow uh, King Blake Cassette and little Cherry Poppins on social media. And I mean, get out to the scene. Maybe you'll be lucky enough to see Barry <laughs> pop out into the world as well. Thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast today, Blake. I had the best time. It's been wonderful. Thank you. WA Expose is an independent production. 
Our artwork was created by Georgia Sassenfeld and our theme music is Corrosive by Aria Scarlett and M Burrows. You can find out more about the podcast or live shows at ariascarlett.com forward slash WA Expose. Oh, I can't even do it. I can't even, you do it again. You did a better one. Where is she? Oh, no. Ooh. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.